Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Hi, my name is Hunter. Um, like she said, we've been coming here for a couple months now. Uh, we've been able to plug in with you guys and been really excited about that. So thanks for having me. Obviously, I'm not Matt McClay. Um, we definitely want to be in prayer for him. Uh, I don't have the good looks like Matt does. He's a good looking dude. Uh, but no, um, I'm obviously not Matt. Um, but I am glad to be here tonight. So thank you guys for that. Um, but yeah, so Matt asked me to fill in and um, a little bit about me. I've been doing this a little bit at, at different places. Um, I served at a previous church. And so the kids never booed me there, so I just asked that you don't boo me here um, or throw anything at me. <laughs> I actually told Kurt I'd give him five bucks if he booed me when I got up here, but he didn't do it. So, um, But yeah, so I am not a cool guy. Like, I don't know if you can tell already, I've got beat up Nike shoes with these stained up jeans and a Philly shirt. Like, the Phillies aren't even that good. I just like Bryce Harper. Um, but I'm not a cool guy. Like, all you need to know about me that is cool is... That's it. I mean, I work at State Farm. That's it. Like, <laughs> I have nothing cool. I work at State Farm. I sell insurance. A bunch of you guys don't even know how insurance works. I didn't know how it works until about a year ago when I started the job. So, um, but yeah, I, I work for State Farm. And other than that, I'm a pretty boring dude. But somehow, I'm going to be cringy for a second. I do have the honor of marrying the very beautiful Gracie Brumfeld right there. She's blushing. We have a month today and we will be married. Um, she will be my beautiful bride um, in exactly a month. Like, I don't think you all understand, and this ties back to the lesson, I promise, how much of a legend she is. Like, she really is, and it's not just because she's a cool girl. Um, some, some things that you all probably don't know about Gracie is that she actually has her picture up in the halls at Cabell Midland, right? Like, even though it's Midland, it's still cool, okay? Like, Midland people can still go to heaven, I promise. Like, they really can, I promise. Uh, I have to say that as a Valley boy. I'm sorry. Hey, we have two from Valley right here. I, I'm not alone. Um, but yeah, so Gracie was first team all conference, first team all state her junior and senior year in volleyball. That's pretty amazing. And then after that, she went on to play at the Marshall University, uh, where she got to play as a freshman, uh, which is a big accomplishment. And some of you are like, why in the world would this super amazing woman want to marry a guy that sells insurance for a living? And let me tell you, fellas, like, all the guys really do sit over here, like majority of them. But that God works in very mysterious ways. I promise you guys have a Gracie out there, just not mine. She's mine, you can't have her. But the Lord works in very, very mysterious ways, and there's still hope for you too. Um, but yeah, so tonight we're going to look at how God worked in a very mysterious way with my favorite person in the Bible, outside of Jesus, obviously is Jesus. Um, but Gideon, how many of y'all have heard of Gideon? Yeah, so Gideon's my favorite story. Um, I kind of relate to Gideon, not that my story is Gideon's, but I come from a small town of Canova, West Virginia. Some of you probably don't know where it is. Um, it's actually right outside of Catlicksburg. It's like 20 minutes from here. Um, but yeah, so God worked in a very mysterious way in, in Gideon's life. And so our goal tonight is to understand this journey. Like 
the Christian cliche is like this journey that God has me on or this path or this walk. And I love it. Like all those words are hilarious to me. But tonight we're going to look at like this path that God has set before us for your life and my life. And I'm not here to like specifically show you like pinpoints and say, hey, you need to go to Marshall University. That's God's will for your life. That is not my goal tonight because I don't know what God's will is for your life. Uh, only he can reveal that to you. Um, but our goal is to be able to look at the story of Gideon, right? And not talk about how amazing Gideon is. Like tonight, you don't plug your story into Gideon's because it's not about Gideon. Uh, tonight is about how faithful God was and still is today. So if you don't know about Gideon at all, starting out, uh, Gideon was a pretty regular guy, um, he didn't do all these cool things. He didn't have all these cool things. He didn't have a bunch of money. Uh, and he certainly didn't have his picture up in the halls of Cabell Midland High School, I'll say that. Um, but seriously, here's a little bit of what you do need to know that is important about Gideon. In Gideon's day, uh, Israel was split into tribes and each tribe was ruled by a judge. God had not anointed kings yet. And so um, he would carry out his plan through judges is what they called him. Gideon was a judge from the tribe of Manasseh. Everyone say Manasseh. Everyone say Manasseh. It's kind of like a Harry Potter spell, Manasseh. <laughs> but uh, so he was from the tribe of Manasseh and he was the judge over Manasseh. But um, number two, during Gideon's life, Israel had fallen into the hands of the bad guys. Everybody say the bad guys. All right, the bad guys were the Midianites, right? Um, so God gave them over to the Midianites because because they were starting to fall into idol worship. Uh, they were worshiping the false god of, some people say Balal or Baal. Um, and so Israel turns their heart and their minds over to Baal. And so during this time, the Midianites, they would come in and they would completely ransack Israel. Uh, they would take everything that they had to eat. They would take all their clothing, their livestock. Um, they would literally like just wipe them out and take everything that they, everything that they had. Uh, and so like the Israelites never fought back. They didn't like take up arms and fight back and defend themselves. They ran and hid in caves. Uh, and so they would like, they would scatter like ro roaches when a light came on. Have y'all ever seen that? Like that picture or anything? Like they would just run and they were terrified. And this went on for seven long years, like seven long suffering and painful years. And so after the seventh year, uh, the Israelites confessed their sin and, and sought God's intervention. And then boom, here comes our man, Gideon, right? Like Gideon enters the picture. And this is where we pick up. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Judges chapter six, verse 11. Judges six, verse 11. All right, thank you, Jordan. And it says, it's talking about Gideon. Verse 11, then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great oak tree, the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer, I can't say that. I'm a Wayne County boy, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles of our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. 
and handed us over to, to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So tonight there's a lot of us here uh, who very much like Gideon have this same human nature. It's instilled in us, we're born with it. Uh, Gideon here reveals two different characteristics that make you, make him and make me human. Uh, number one, he doubted. Gideon has doubts. The angel of the Lord just called Gideon a mighty hero. He just called him like one of the like, most prestigious awards you could be called. Um, and Gideon's like, you know, oh, cool, bro, but like, why'd you let all this happen? Like, you know, he just skips right over it and acts like the angel of the Lord didn't just call him a mighty hero. Uh, and so like Gideon, he had doubts and like he doubted the angel of the Lord. Um, and it, it would be like if God came down and said to me, like, Hunter, you are a mighty warrior. I am with you, go. Uh, and I would, you know, I would probably pass out, but Gideon's like, yeah, that's cool, but, but. You know, he's saying, why did you let this happen? And so many times in our lives, we doubt. We doubt just like Gideon. Um, so that was number one. But number two, Gideon was a little prideful, right? And this is what I mean by that. Look in verse 13 with me. He says, but now the Lord has abandoned us. Listen, like Gideon heard about the great works of God from his ancestors uh, in the past, and yet he still wondered why he didn't see those same great works in his day. Like, do y'all ever wonder why God still doesn't perform miracles? I don't know, I do that. But anyways, God is, like, Gideon is basically blaming God. Like he's putting all the blame on God for everything bad that had happened. Listen, like Gideon failed to realize, he failed to see um, that it was Israel who left God. God never left Israel, uh, not once in that moment. And so Gideon was not only a doubtful man, but Gideon was a prideful man. Uh, but watch what God does with his doubt and his pride. Turn to verse 14. It says, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of, in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Like, boom, God calls Gideon to something amazing. It's something that Gideon, in this moment, he can't even understand. Like, he can't even wrap his mind around it. And uh, he says, like, Gideon, I don't care. I don't care that you're blaming me for this. I don't care that you're a prideful and a doubtful man. I'm still calling this to you. Like, I'm still calling you to this. Uh, you are the man that is going to deliver, although you're prideful and you're doubtful, you are the one who is going to deliver Israel, my people, out of the hands of the Midianites. And Gideon says, man, God, like, that's great. Like, he's like, yes, let's go to war. Let's go to war. Like, Gideon says, bro, I'm built different. Like, all you high school boys crack me up. You walk around like, I'm built different. But, uh, no, like, Gideon's like, I'm ready for this. Let's go to war. No, like, Gideon doesn't say any of that. Gideon definitely didn't say that he was built different. But anyways, Gideon goes on throughout the rest of the chapter to ask God for three different signs. He asked God for three different signs in three different times even though the Lord just called him a mighty warrior, a mighty hero, and said that I am sending you, he still asked for three signs. Uh, and if you want to read those in detail later, um, like continue on to chapter 6, um, but for the sake of time, we're going to skip down to chapter 7, verse 2. 
chapter 7 and verse 2. So basically, um, this is what happened. So Gideon, he asked the Lord for signs, and the Lord graciously answered. And so right before this, the Lord empowers Gideon, and so he blows a ram's horn, and warriors from a bunch of the tribes come to Gideon and fight the Midianite army. Okay, so now keep in mind that Gideon really hasn't changed much. Like he's probably still that same prideful and doubtful man. Um, and so don't, don't think that there's really been a change in him yet. Um, and he's, he's still prideful. He's still doubtful, even though God gave him three amazing signs. Like you can go back and read those if you want to later. But there is a shift in Gideon's heart uh, and his mind that we notice here in ch- chapter 7, verse 2. And it reads, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving Gideon with only 10,000 who were willing to fight. And so here they are, like, they're about to fight an army of right around 100, it's like guesstimated 135,000 warriors uh, with the Midianite army. And so he starts with 22,000. So the odds are already stacked against him. I don't know like if you guys understand how crowds work, but 135,000 people are a heck of a lot more than 22,000 people. Uh, and so the odds are stacked against Gideon in the Israelite army, but God tells him to get rid of the ones who were scared And so now the odds are already stacked before, but they are doubly, like double dog dare, doubly stacked against Gideon. Uh, And so now Gideon's army is cut almost in half and he is left with right right around 10,000 or 11,000 men, uh, right around there. Um, Gideon is probably freaking out. Like I would be stressed. I would just give up. Uh, I would take my hands off. I mean, if if you guys were asked to go fight a battle of 135,000 with an army of 10,000, I don't know that you would do it. I know that I would definitely not do it. Um, and so there's no chance at all that they win this war. Like if you think about war at all in your head, like some of you guys, there's no chance at all. There's no hope strategically for them, mentally, emotionally, physically, they have no hope at all. And so then God goes, and tells Gideon that his army is still too big. Look at chapter, or chapter 7, verse 4. But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all of those who cup the water with their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream like dogs. So Gideon is done for. Like he was already, the odds were already stacked. They were doubly stacked. And now they're like 10 times stacked. There is literally zero hope. Um, and like Gideon, he's, he's done for. Israel is done for. And like if, if I'm in Gideon's shoes, I'm definitely out. Like somebody else come in here. You do this. I don't want to fight him. You got it. Um, like are you kidding me? You want to fight an army of 135,000 with 300. 300 men. Like God, come on. Like I, I would be pleading God. Like give me a chariot tank or something. Like some 
ancient bazooka or something. Like I'm gonna need a nuke to (laughs) defeat that many people. Um, But Gideon actually had a 400 to one odds to win this battle. There was a 0.25% chance, 0.25% chance of Gideon and the Israelites winning this war against the Midianites. And so I encourage you to go, like, please go back and read through what happens. But long story short, Gideon goes back to his camp with his 300 men. Um, They then go on to rally and divide into three separate groups. They blow these loud ram's horns. Uh, They they gronk spike clay jars and smash clay jars. Uh, And then all of a sudden, the Midianite army, they start attacking each other. Like their own men are fighting against each other. Uh, And they start to kill each other. And so some of the Midianite leaders get away. And here's where we're going to wrap up tonight. This, this is so overlooked when we talk about the story of Gideon here. But, and one of, the, one of the tribes of Israel, like they get upset with Gideon because he called them later on to come hunt down the Midianite leaders that got, like, got away, right? Like they get mad that he didn't call them to war in the first place. Uh, and they didn't like fight that first surge. Um, but look at chapter 8, verse 2. Chapter 8, verse 2. But Gideon replied, What have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest better than the entire crop of my little clan of Abiezer? God gave you the victory over Oreb and Zeb, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to you? When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger, anger subsided. Listen, Gideon tells them like, God gave you the victory. It wasn't me. It wasn't my warriors. God gave you the victory. And so this doubtful and prideful man eventually humbles himself and realizes God had a plan for me and he just carried it out. Like God is the one who gave us this, not me. And so remember, the story of Gideon, it, it's not a story of how amazing and how cool Gideon, like, of a leader he was. That's not what it is because Gideon didn't do this. And even he realized that his own story is a reminder of how faithful and how good the Lord really is. And here are takeaway points. If you're a note taker, I've got three really short ones, and then you guys are going to get out a little bit early. I promise. And then you can go to Taco Bell or whatever. I want to go to Taco Bell. But anyways. I don't have any F words this week. Like I said, I'm not Matt McClay, so I've just got three takeaway points. Um, I, I do remember, I'll say this real quick, little insert. I promise I don't have ADHD, but um, Matt, I remember the first time coming here with Gracie and we sat in and Matt was like, all right, I'm gonna tell you guys some F words. And I was like, I looked at Gracie and I was like, what in the world did the youth pastor just tell me he's gonna tell the kids some F words? But yeah, so I'm sorry, unfortunately, I have no F words tonight. Um, but maybe next time I'll, I'll give you guys a bunch of F words, but... Uh, But here are some key takeaways that I hope you etch into your brain and into your heart throughout this week. And as you finish school and go on to college or go on into your summer, whatever it looks like for you. Um, But number one, take your mind back to the beginning. So go back to the beginning of the sermon, beginning of the story. And remember, like Gideon was blaming God. He literally blamed God for all of those seven long years of suffering and pain. Remember, Gideon asked God three separate times for three separate signs. And yet God still used Gideon. 
The Israelites are the ones who turn their backs on God. Remember, like it wasn't God who turned his back on Israel. He never turned his back on them. And I want you to remember this. Your doubts and your fears can't hinder and won't stop God from being present in your life. Your doubts and your fears can't and won't stop God from being present in your life. Number two, your life and your whole entire being is to bring glory to God. That's why you were created. Remember back to why the Lord cut Gideon's army down to being so small. God basically says, hey, Gideon, you're going to deliver my people out of the hands of suffering. Oh, and by the way, you're going to do this by fighting an army of 135,000 with an army of 300. And I'm going to do this because I don't want you and your people to be, be able to look back and take the credit for this victory. Like God saying, I'm doing this so the people see, not only Gideon, but the people see and believe that I am the one who did the work in you. Your life is no different in this case. My life is no different. Number two is you cannot and will not fulfill God's plan for your life without him. He's the creator of the plan. And remember, like your life in his plan for you is for his glory, not your gratification. Number three. When God shows up in your life, give him the credit, acknowledge him, say, thank you, God. Remember at the end where Gideon says, the Lord gave you victory, not me, not my army. The Lord gave you victory. There was a shift in Gideon's heart where, the, where he went from blaming God for the seven long years of suffering and, and pain. He went from blaming to believing that God would deliver them. Gideon took ownership of it and he believed it. So I'll wrap up with this, like when God moves in your life, turn your blaming into believing and watch how the Lord moves. Let's pray. God, thank you for tonight. Um, Lord, we just want to remember Matt and our hearts uh, and his family. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be up here. Uh, Lord, uh, you say that when your word is preached, it won't go void. And so, um, Father, there it is. I pray that you would do something with it. Um, Lord, I pray that we would be mindful of your plan for our lives tonight. Um, and as we go on into the summer, uh, Lord, may we make all of our decisions based on you uh, and through your eyes and your mind. And may we seek you for that. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.